Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. So, the story so far. Wilco Johnson is here, our podcast guest, and he's brought his guitar. Myself, Mark Allen, Fraser Lurie, the producer, and Mike 70s Johnson from The Word office, no relation, are interrogating. We've had a little preamble about the folklore of the Mississippi Delta, and we leap now to 1972 to Wembley Stadium, where the newly formed feel-goods, who've been used to playing clubs and pubs, are accelerated to this gigantic stage, supporting... What a lineup! Little Richard, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Eddie Cochran. And Wilco is, in fact, in the backing band with the Feel Goods, supporting uh, a singer called Heinz, or Heinzy, I think you all refer to him as. Now, that's as far as we got in this recording. It's only about three or four minutes in. And then there was a pile of dud batteries and corrupt files, and we discovered this was unusable. And so we are now going to rejoin the recording where we put some new batteries in and, and uncorrupted the files. And I'm going to say to Wilco, I'm going to say, did you walk out? on that stage, and see the MC5, Wilco. Did you walk out and see the MC5, Wilco? (laughs) Well, as it happens, I did. (laughs) um, One of the... um, Probably probably the first kind of good thing on the the bill... um, I mean, Gary Glitter was on and everything in the morning. It was, you know, quite quite a bill. It's a mixed bag. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, um... uh, Anyway, at one point, I walked out from underneath the stage where the dressing rooms were... Uh, and looked up, and I saw about. I realised this band was the MC5. Um, I'd heard their records, but the the thing that the thing that got me is the way it looked, man. <laughs> and um, I mean, I've since found out this that this was a, an innovation with them. But Wayne Kramer, the guitarist, was. Uh, they painted gold like like Tutankhamun. <laughs> so he got this kind of Tutankhamun with shades and a, and a black suit, and uh, he, they were doing that rambling rose number that he sings in, the, in this full seto voice. You know, like, like a rambling rose. Like, and and then and then suddenly he hits the, the guitar sound. He goes flying sideways. I think yes, look at that. And yeah. it, I was just so excited to watching what he was and doing. He's holding, holding oh, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a machine gun. Exactly. Really. And he, he's going gold on. And the, anyway, they they um, that the Teddy Boys did not like them. 
You see, because because they're a little bit freaky there with the gold face and everything. Fred and Smith, the big hair. Fred, yes, yes, exactly. And Fred Smith was painted silver and wearing a silver suit, right? So anyway, the Teddy Boys didn't didn't really appreciate this and and started barracking them and throwing cans at them. And uh, even even then, like, Wayne Kramer at one point, he's, he's kind of whizzing across the stage, this can comes flying up, and he kicked it, he got it right on the toe, and he kicked it right back, and he didn't break his stride. And I thought, yes, this, this, is, this is a live one. And, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, Give um, as good as you get. Yeah. After the, uh, afterwards, I, w- I, I saw Wayne Kramer sitting in the, in the dressing room, and I was obviously a bit despondent because that, that had a bad time. And I went up and said, man, I think that... And it was absolutely fantastic, you know. And, and um, he, he was saying to me, he thought that if they'd have had a bit more time, they could have won the audience over. I'm going, no, man, no. Like, I've got to tell you, these people are called Teddy Boys and explained all about them, you know. And um, I remember it, it, it was, one thing he said to me, he says, because I play good. And I thought, yes, <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> I play, you do I play so. good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and... Um, uh, in fact, I recently saw the um, DVD about the MC5, the bi- what's it called, bi- biography or something rather, yeah. which is where they're interviewing Wayne Kramer largely in in Detroit. And um, it comes to this part of the story when they're really, you know, it's at the end of the line for the MC5, and he's talking about this uh, Wembley show and how you know how depressing it was for them. They were over in England, things were mm. going wrong. And he starts talking about Teddy Boys, and he's explaining to the audience about, about <laughs> Teddy Boy. And I think oh, I told you that, you know. <laughs> That's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's also like a sort of baton exchange. Uh, yeah. The end of the MC Five yeah. sparks yeah. the beginning of Doctor mm. Feelgood. And it was it's like watching watching this uh, DVD. It's quite sad actually. I mean, it's very intense, you know. This mm. uh, MC Five DVD, and uh, when when he's telling this story about this thing, it's 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 at the Wembley show. It's it's. You know, and he obviously a bad memory for him. But if I felt, oh man, I've got, I've got to speak to this guy and say, well, what you don't know is you, you turn me right on. Completely. You know, I was I was just flipping on everything you did. You know, yeah. and, uh, and they, they looked and like they'd been plugged into the main, so it was just mayhem when they played this. There's fantastic footage in that DVD of, mm. I think, they're playing in a park in Washington or something, mm. Mm. and it's police helicopters circling, oh, yeah. and the I crowd is going nuts, yeah. and it's extraordinary. What a, what a great band! What yeah. a great yeah. band! You know, and I mean, and, uh, and Wayne Kramer, a, gr- a great guitar player. You know, he's he's got, he's got a proper rock and roll feel. You know, but but of, you know, modern of the seventies. You know, <laughs> the other guitarist that you, you talk about in the, in the film, and he always used to talk about in interviews. I remember was was uh, Mick Green from mm. Johnny Kidd and the mm. Pirates. And and as you've got the guitar, I'm going to ask you to demonstrate because it's so brilliant. Because Mick Green had a technique, as indeed did Robert Johnson, lots of other people, yeah. of playing a rhythm, yeah, and and a lead at the same time. Yeah. So um, d- give us a, a demonstration of how, well, how you made I mean, that Well, I mean, I have to say, first of all, Mick Green was... When I was learning to play, I heard Mick Green, and I thought, I, I, that's it, I, I want to play like that. I wanted to be just like him and play just like him, and I, I would get all the kind of Johnny Kidd and the Pirates records I could and try and suss out what he was doing. I never did find out, you know, but I, I got my own way of doing it. But I mean... Uh, Mm. Well, the first one, I, the first one I got was uh, I can tell, and I had to go. So 
So, so I mean, the, this guitar style is, is, is no, kind of... You're not using a pick. I mean, I no. just lacerate. It's like playing a cheese grater. Well, there's lacerating another, your feet. <laughs> there's another interesting, <laughs> st- interesting story to do with that, you see, because, in fact... I am left-handed. Yes, I am a sinistralist. And um, <laughs> when I when I started to learn to play the guitar, I'm, it was this way around. I was doing it, and uh, and um, I was rubbish, right? And I, I, everybody at school could play better than me, and and I felt a bit of an idiot. And then I I, I decided after a while that I would. Uh, I think um, I managed to get a a right-handed guitar. And I thought, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn to play right-handed and, then, and tell myself that I've only just begun, so I won't feel such a duffer, you know, <laughs> and, uh, which I did. Well, Jimi uh, Hendrix played a, a right-handed guitar upside down, left-handed, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, um, I, I am... Uh, this, was slightly, this was before Jimi Hendrix, you see, and in, in fact, just before the Beatles even, so Paul McCartney, you see. Um, and I didn't being, 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 being an adolescent and that I didn't I wanted to look I wanted to conform because adolescents yeah, are very conforming and all of those reasons and I thought to myself, Yeah, it's better you know, if you learn, if you learn to play a guitar conventionally, you can pick up any old guitar and play, you know, and uh, not you don't have to have it specially strung left handed. And that is that is why I don't use a pick because in the in the difficult process of playing what what is an unnatural way round for me, I couldn't hang on to these plectrums, you see. So um, I I did without, you know. I mean, it saved me a fortune over the years. I tell you, you've turned it to advantage. Oh, I love yeah. that. It's sort of the, that's affected the way you play. The fact that you sort of oh, lead yeah. and um, riffing at the same time. Yeah. In fact, there's no. I mean, there's no actual. Uh, Musical reason for doing this, you see. I mean, it's just it's just me, just skiffle, you know, just strumming away there. And, yeah. and uh, give us a basic feel goods uh, uh, rhythm sequence. Well, With, without the band stripped away, just, just yeah. Walk well, uh, again, like I say, it's a kind of percussive way mm. of playing, which, mm. which which involves kind of cut off chords. So a typical sort of rhythm is like. Beautiful things about that. It also sounds very slightly out of tune, doesn't it? The bass. Yeah. But is that a tune? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was too it's all that. It was all that. It was all that time waiting, waiting for the batteries. <laughs> It's the incorporation of these licks. It's, it's sort of percussion into the and rhythm and lead. There's over three instruments. Yeah, it? people, no people, people make out this is something. This is something marvelous. But in fact, my the style of playing is very, very simple, and I, I call it skiffle really because, uh, like, my right hand is just kind of strumming mm. like that, and and the, it's. Get. 
That's an absolute joy. The, the other thing that's looking at the, the footage, there isn't very much footage actually. That's the other strange thing. The very little footage exists because this is pre mobile phones, pre video exactly, cameras. So, I mean, um, there was no such thing as a. Well, there was such a thing. In fact, at Wembley. <laughs> At Wembley Stadium, we were we were we'd done our bit with Hines out you know, this um, this nightmare, and uh, <laughs> I, I come down, come down off the stage, and I saw Chuck Berry had been there. You could see him uh, in the wings, right? And he had a video camera. I knew what it was, right? It was the first time I'd ever seen one, and. When we came da- down off of the stage, there was Chuck sitting in the back of this electric blue Rolls Royce, lim- checking out his his videos on a, on a, mo- a little monitor. And I went whizzing up to him very, very and said, "Will you will you sign my guitar?" And he did. You see, he was he was in a very uh, great mood that day. You see, yeah. um, um, you, you're liable to get short shrift from Chuck, I believe. But he was charming. He was charming. Yes, he was charming. Yeah, that's right. It cost me five dollars. <laughs> and the but, duck walk—you must have. You, you, I've seen you duck walk on occasion. I mean, is that mm, mm, um, is that something studied for people like, uh, like Chuck Berry? The, the kind of movements I, I I do do a little duck walk occasionally as, as a kind of what you call it—a kind of a nod, a kind of a kind of allusion, a kind of yeah. we we if we're going to uh, do an encore, say, and do do some Chuck Berry. Johnny be good or something. When you start off the right, I do a little duck walk when you start. See that when they're playing the playing oh, which, the guitar, which people listening could see that with the facial expressions from getting from Wilco. <laughs> the occasional grimace. Yeah. <laughs> see, they 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 only do half of this lick. It's very known to all guitarists. It's like status quo, really. Right, but the proper rock and roll thing has the the chord in it as well, so it goes like this. I love the, uh, the the footage of um, of Lee and his white suit. I forgot about it. So Lee wears the white suit, and you wear a black suit. And I don't this know where that evolved from, but yeah. because Lee gets more and more disgustingly filthy yeah. as he throws out the, yeah. the gig. I love yeah. it. He's wearing a white suit. He's rolling around. He's all yeah. spilt yeah. Carlsberg and yeah. double diamond. And, yeah. I mean, it wasn't necessarily intentional. Um, you know, when we when we. Um, Got our record deal and that, you know. We wanted to get, get suits made, you know, like um, tailor made suits, you know. And uh, Lee got a white one, thought, look, it should look very sharp, you know, the white white suit and everything. But uh, we, we didn't, we it didn't bank, on it, it, we bank on it becoming quite so uh, dishevelled over the course of a tour, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it did. There's one where he goes on stage after I think the van's broken down on the way to the gig, and he's, he's rolled up his sleeves and, and or not rolled up his sleeves, in fact, got under the bonnet and tried to mend it, and he's covered in yeah, sort of yeah. diesel oil when he goes yeah. on stage, along with the cigarette burns and bits mm, of you mm, know, mm. of a bit of soup all over him. You know, it's fantastic. I think 
But what was the dynamic like in that group? Because it's, it's so interesting, all these different characters. You've got Sparks, yeah. you've got the big yeah. figure, Lee Brillo and yourself. I mean, how did that work? The way, the way we... The, the kind of look of the show and everything... It gradually evolved while we were playing as a local band in South End, you know, and we that's when we 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 started we just going at these fantasies, you know, and we and we got into this cheap gangster kind of look, you know, mm. and, and uh, short hair and and uh, cheap suits and that, and um, the the. The the what we were doing was taking from. I mean, Lee has got a ferocious style of of singing, yeah. you know. With he, he looks so angry, and um, and 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 he's shaking his fist and stuff. And I would be actually reacting off of Lee, you know. So you can see it if, if, if like if it, if we were a, a, like a gang, you know, he would be the like the leader, but I'd be the one that did the killing. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cold hard henchman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And uh, so, really, really uh, it, it, it was um, playing off of Lee. Um, but we, we never, um, we never discussed this or, or worked it out or anything. It just gradually happened. You know, you 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 sort of doing things, and you you realise if you're getting a reaction from the audience from it, you you'll exaggerate them or whatever. So by the time we started playing in London, we had a lot of that. Together and it was quite startling for, for people, you know. And it wasn't wasn't what bands did. Mm. And, uh, it's not what and, bands did. Also, sort of Mike well, Ward. I was just going to say that look as well. Then it's easy to sort of you know forget now, but not a lot of people wearing sort of sharp suits and, and having that sort of uh, gang look. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, oh, it's sort yeah, of cheesecloth shirts yeah, and flares and yeah, long hair. And, exactly, and, and I mean it. It, uh, it it did have an impact when we started yeah. playing. Uh, also, because we were all unknown. A lot right. of the bands that were playing around London at that, at that time were, in fact, established musicians. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and been on the and, circuit a while. Yeah, yeah. But, but nobody knew us, and, and we we come along looking You've very asked... different and acting in a very different way. Yeah, and and uh, it attracted a lot of attention. You know, people people want to come and see this thing. You know, and we started yeah, realizing that's what we it, did. You know, so yeah. you 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 did it and did it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But also, it's that. The actual pub rock thing that really came across to me in the film that you, you get the feeling that at the time there's a sort of there's a club circuit that develops into what I would call I suppose a civic hall circuit. When I was a teenager, I, I got to see you know uh, the Elton John trio at the Guildford Civic Hall. It was that kind of thing. <laughs> Terrible groups like Wishbone Ash or whatever. Yeah, Wishbone Big Benny you played, yeah. you know. And then pub rock and that pub rock comes along, and suddenly groups like yourself can develop. In this very small, in these very small venues, mm. in the close proximity to a very, very devoted crowd, and develop very quickly mm. this relationship and this act, and that really struck me as being very significant. Actually, there's a lovely bit I think where this lady Di comes to see you at the Kensington. Am I right? Yeah, apparently, she, we were she was there. Lady Di, which must be you know, about <laughs> sixteen or something. Yeah. She's in the same audience I think, as mm. John Mortimer. So it's mm. the idea that that the music you're playing and the pub rock, pub rock has got this huge appeal. It's mm. just whatever's happening on the corner. Yeah, it's it's virtually free to get in. Probably yeah. is free after half time. Well, yeah, you know, um, well, I can I can remember that we used. You don't remember play, Lady Di in the audience? Uh, no, I, not that I remember, but um, <laughs> I can remember um, we, we used to do regularly Saturday nights at this pub called the Kensington. That's the one she was yeah. at, yeah. And um, I can remember w- being there one time. We'd done our sound check or whatever, and I'm sitting outside on the steps, and pe- punters start turning up. 
and, and suddenly this taxi pulls up and, and, pe- and the people get out. And I'm thinking, wow, man, we've really made it now because people who can afford to ride in taxis are coming that's to see right. us. <laughs> <laughs> people are probably living in Kensington. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Oh, it's just a, it's an absolutely thrilling time, you know, and, and it's also, uh, you realise how this links between, it's a fulcrum between the, the big kind of uh, stadium acts of the early 70s and the, and the punk rock of the late, the late 70s. I mean, in the film, you know, you've got Joe Strummer, uh, um, you've got yeah. Andy Gill, the Gang of Four, all these people talking about how they saw the field goods, and that was the, the real uh, impetus for them, the real spark, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, I think I think it's true. Do you remember like, any of those guys? Do you remember any of the the, the, the punk I, rock gang? Or... In, in, in fact, I, I I started to meet these people generally after I was ejected most viciously from the feel goods. In fact, I can remember just after this had happened, and I was I was walking in the in the rain just right by centre point just about to turn into Oxford Street on my way to the record company probably uh, my little boy on my shoulders and I'm walking along and suddenly these th- three characters come running up and it was Joe Strummer and uh, I can't remember who was with him but I remember Joe and he came, and he came running up to me going you don't know me but I said I know you man I've seen you in the papers you know and and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he said what, what are you going to do what are you going to I said I don't know what I'm going to do you know but um, I said, "Why don't you come? You'll come over to my place uh, this afternoon." And they did. Like, so I, I, I got to know them. Um, I got to know the, the like the Pistols, because uh, you remember when everybody was beating up on the Pistols, right? And, yeah. And uh, it was it was during those times, and I was in Dingwalls, and um, they were in there, and they come up, and there was apparently there was a lot of people that. The guys outside wanted, wanted to give them a kick in, you see, and that, and they were saying, you know, what are we going to do? And I said, oh, I'll get some people, and we got some people together to get make sure they got away safely from there. Um, I love this this gangster thing starting to become real. Now, <laughs> yeah. and who better to protect you than the henchman of the, Dr. Feelgood himself, the cold hard killer yeah. Wilco Johnson, oh, and the heavy friends. Yeah. There was there was a, you went to I think to a very early show in America, was supported by the Ramones. Can you remember that? Uh, 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 the bottom line in the bottom New York, line. yeah, yeah. How was that? Can you any? any I, I, I've got I've I've got very um, vague recollections of America. I, I, I was not happy. Uh, we we did two kind of fairly big tours there, about six weeks each in 1976, hmm. and I. Yeah, I wasn't happy, so I mean, I, I just don't, I haven't got, don't remember much about it, really, apart from I didn't like it much. I'm yeah. nervous to ask you about what you were just referred to a second ago, about the, your, your ejection from the group. I remember interviewing Robert Wyatt once and, and asking, making the terrible mistake, actually, of asking him about the day he was thrown out of the soft machine. Mm. And he still has not recovered from this. It was mm. so painful an experience, he could barely talk about it. So I don't know if I dare ask you, didn't, uh, what happened with you well, and Dr Feelgood? it... it, it <laughs> You can ask what happened, and I've, I've got to say, I, I, I don't really know. Um, certainly, the, it, it happened dur- during the recording of our fourth album. That was Sneaking um, Suspicion. Yeah, Sneaking yeah. Suspicion. And um, strained, there have been uh, strained relationships between me and Lee, um, which built up, I think, while we were touring America. And they, they were drinking more and more, and I was... Um, becoming more and more reclusive. If you, I didn't drink at all. I was very teetotal, you see. And uh, But I always thought keen on the amphetamines. 
Uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, again a disparity. Like three, yeah. three blokes exactly. drinking double diamond. Exactly. So exactly. They're down, they're down, down the bar. Cocktail. They're down in the bar. Like, and what are they talking about? That prat upstairs. You know, <laughs> the, and, the, uh, the teetotal pub rocker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, the paranoid uh, teetotal yeah, pub rocker. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You've got it all there. <laughs> and and um, anyways, but the things have become strained between me and the rest of them really but basically between me and Lee and we had just before doing this fourth album we we Lee and I went to uh, Atlanta to the CBS convention one time to meet this pro- producer and so we were together for like three or four days doing this and we got on okay and then Lee started coming around my place of an afternoon, and he'd have a bottle of whatever it was. They'd put plonk it down beside him and drink. And we, and I knew we were trying to be friends again. You know, we were really. And I thought everything was going to be all right. Mm. And then we went and started doing the record, and then it just erupted into this great big row that went on all night. And um, by the time the morning come, and people had taken up positions, you know, and and. Uh, now, what this argument was about, I cannot say. I, don't, I mean, it was, it, was, it, it was bloody stupid, you know, and it didn't do anybody any good, but we was obviously vehement about it, yeah. you know. And you never rejoined the group. I mean, they must have wanted no. you back on, on many occasions. There, there were a couple of occasions when it could, that could have happened. Hmm. But... Uh, it's an old cliche as well about sort of musical differences, but, I mean, that, that, that was a genuine element, wasn't it? And it, 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 was it the idea... The thing that you sort of wanted to stick a bit more to the sort of hardline R and B sound, and Lee wanted to. Have no, I got no, that right? No, wrong? no, no, no. It's not, it, 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 there were, there were, we were talking about what the music we were doing, right? But that wasn't yeah. that wasn't it. That wasn't you know, the, the core of it. What was yeah. it? Was the fact that we pissed off with each other. Yeah. And uh, um, it, it, you know, over these over those months and that of them down in the bar. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it historically, you, th- you think good. of all those groups, you know, trios that are ba- bass, drums, mm. um, guitar, singer, which is the great format. Mm. This mm. is the, the Who, this is the Smiths, mm. this is Queen, this oh, is yeah, Stone yeah. Roses, this is Led Zeppelin. Mm. Mm. There's a million, there's free, there's a million great yeah. groups who mm. operate in that way. Mm. It's the, uh, you know, you think of, of the relationship between those, you know, it's the Plant and Page, and it's the Townsend and Daltrey, and it's the Marr and Morrissey, and mm. you know, those are very fractious relationships. Well, this is they're it. very yeah. close relationships, and they're bound to mm. unravel. Yeah. Pe- people, when these strains were kind of developing, if you like, and people, people would come up and start theorising and say that there was some problem about um, who was the front man or on stage and stuff like that. But it, I'll tell you what, it was never, never like that. And we never, never took our differences on stage with us. And uh, um, as I say, to me, Lee was the front man and I was working off him and that's the way it always was. And, mm. and, uh, I, and, I, and I don't think Lee had a problem about that. You know, mm. um, it was... I don't know what it was. Some, a little bit to do with women, I think, at one point. Pray tell. Well, I really can't, you know. I'm going to probably guess. Yeah. So that's never discretion. happened before in a rock band, has it? <laughs> no, no. no rock band has ever gone no. to the studio and found Yoko Ono sitting no. on the amplifier. <laughs> no, not actually Yoko Ono. I mean, no, particularly her, but yeah. 
But um, looking back at the film, did you again? I, I felt you got your just desserts. You know, I really felt strongly that you got a lot of the credit that you you deserved, and, and uh, a lot of the recognition that you particularly and the band uh, yeah. deserved for for that extraordinary connection between what was happening in the early seventies and the reactivation of, of yeah, punk rock. Yeah, I, I think the you're, you're going to have to agree with me now. What a penetrating yeah. analysis! What a, what a, what a terrible <laughs> interview. It's just been something in, in Hello magazine. Yeah. How do you get to be so great? <laughs> <laughs> I'm happiest with my books. You. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> But I mean, is that is that uh, was that kind of reassuring to see that somebody's gone there and documented it all? Well, it it it, it was it, it's a great film, and uh, I think it's a great film. It's about it's about the seven. It's about Canby Island. It's about Doctor Feelgood, and I I think it's it's just amazing what Julian Temple did. You know, with, with the with the resources available to him. You know mm. that 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 he um, if if you know in the in the distant future someone says here what did you do in the 70s granddad you know i go look at that that's what i did yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and i think it tells the story very well naturally it's very gratifying to you know like to, to have something you know there it is to, to have a such a such a good film made and um it's it's uh, obviously been um uh doing no harm at all to our biz right now you know and and um uh, well, we're getting, getting a lot more work, getting a lot more work, a lot more money, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. On the back, all of, good. Mm, yeah, on the on the on this because uh, of this film, you see, and yeah. uh, also it's bringing in a. a we're noticing a lot more uh, younger people coming in to see us playing now that have obviously been turned on by by the film. Yeah, um, fantastic. Uh, We've done such a good job as well, uh, sort of you know, setting the, sort of the scene culturally, and, and sort of you know, just just giving young kids probably sort of you know, flavour of how things were then, rather than just being straight band bio, where mm. you know you just follow the oh, follow yeah. the progress of the band. It, it's much wider than that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But as I say, things are, things I've been getting more. More and just, I mean, I was going to retire. Like, um, I don't know when was it? Christmas before last. I thought oh, I'll knock it on the head now. You know, I've done. Um, oh, no. And um, of course, that out, no of question, out of the that question. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and uh, it, it's pretty good, but um, well, I'll tell you the truth. Like, my my wife uh, died um, six years ago, actually, and uh, I'm, I'm not really got over that. We were well, together for like um, forty years, me and Irene. Yeah, she's uh, in the film. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, and um, I mean, we were teenagers together, you That's know. Right. And and um, anyway, she's bloody cancer, right? But um, and since then, I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's 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 drained a lot of the juice out of life, I think, for me. So I all this all these things happening that, now, yeah. just I, I'm I'm observing them with interest rather than <laughs> kind of getting of excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the in the uh, uh, fabulously slick tradition of the word podcast, I think we should we should end on a song. Yeah. If I might go, 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 go give Kate the run yeah, right. knock on the door. We're going to get a couple <laughs> yeah. more people in here. Now. It's a bit of <laughs> but is there anything you'd like to to, to play as, a, as a, um, an end piece to this? Oh dear! Um, now you put me on the spot. Um, well, I'll, we can edit this back. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, well, all right. I will have a bash at uh, uh, a song, and in fact, th this was based on a riff taught to me by the late great Mick Green, 
Um, oh, this is good. Greeny died sadly recently. There's going to be a um, there's going to be a memorial show oh, coming you, up. In, in, when you play this, you should yeah. start this again. I'll tell um, you about this. Anyway, yeah. yeah, we've got a lot of takers for this. Oh, good, oh, really? Look, well, could you mind? What? <laughs> Just going to have a little bit of an audience in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Very good. Tell Chris, get Chris to come. A Bob. Very good. Look at this hair. Yes. It is a book. The audience has arrived. Fantastic. Hello, the word. This is Wilco Johnson. I want you to observe Magic Alex's hair here. It's not real. It's a fierce barnet. It is. I thought we should have an audience for the great man who's going to play some songs. Just tell us again. I think you're playing one based on a Mick Green. Yeah, I mean, I got to meet my hero, Mick Green, and started to go round his house, you know, and and, and uh, one time he started playing this riff, you know, I go, what's that, man, what's that? He says, I'm just some riff, you know, and I go, teach it to me now, you know, and he, he showed me how it. to do it, and I went home and wrote this song, you know, Going Back Home, which became a very popular one with the feel-goods, and this riff is uh, somewhat like... podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk.